You're listening to the preaching ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek to worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, please visit redemption.bible. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming worship services. Turn in, in, in your Bibles to John 1, beginning in verse 14. That's where we'll be. And, and as you're getting there, I want to see if uh, uh, you've heard this term. I heard it this week. Uh, it's a term, but it's also a, 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 a concept, and it's not one that I made up. I know I have some Blairisms, and, but this is not one of them, although maybe it's going to become one. But have you heard the term Christmasfied? That things have been Christmasfied. It's kind of like how many of us have been Texified, those of us not from the great state of Texas that are from somewhere else. And now that we're here, we've acclimated and we can't stay in the cold any, anymore. We've been, we've been Texified, right? Um, but there's, a, there's this concept. Things have been Christmas-fied. And I'm not talking about the, like, the, the, the normal decorations and ugly sweaters and celebrations that are unique to the season. But the, this uh, phenomenon of taking the normal everyday items and adding a Christmas flair to them. They've been Christmasfied. Like, look, look at these. These are Christmas Pop-Tarts. You know? um, how many thousands of people every day or at least regularly eat Pop-Tarts? Any Pop-Tart eaters in the house here? They're kind of my like backpacking, camping food. I love uh, Pop-Tarts. But they've, they've been Christmasfied. Now they're made of gingerbread, and you can eat them. You can even make a gingerbread house that you would then likely eat because nobody actually makes gingerbread houses and then eats them afterwards. Yeah. Somebody, some of y'all do? It's like too hard. I can't do it. But the Pop-Tarts have been Christmasfied. Or how about this? This is like a, a food group in Texas. There are, there are Christmasfied tortilla chips, right? I mean, everybody, uh, as we eat our salsa at Christmas time, they need to be on Christmas trees, right? Just normal, you know, tortilla chips, now holiday trees as the vehicle for which we consume our salsa. That's why we eat them, right? It's, it's just to consume the salsa. But have you seen any items like this? Any unusual things just around that have been Christmas-fied? As you've been shopping or around anything like this? They're like, why, why, why does that have to be Christmas? Yeah, it's Christmas soaps and Christmas scents, Christ all kinds of things that we use every day that now have been Christmas-fied here. And you know what's what's so interesting to me though, that though we have all these reminders, like on every aisle as we go to the grocery store, as we drive around, we can even with all of the uh, the Christmasification. There's another word of, uh, of, of our society. We can so easily forget what Christmas is all about. And we are really forgetful people, aren't we? Maybe just this week, maybe today, you remembered that you forgot to buy that person a, a, a gift. It happened to anybody? No? You all are smart? You all got all your gifts? You all are way, you're way more organized because let's say if you're remembering right now that, oh, I didn't buy that person a gift, there's no way Amazon is getting it to you by tomorrow, right? Maybe you've forgotten to call that person. You've forgot that ingredient that uh, you need to make your dish for tonight or tomorrow. And, you know, as awful as each of those scenarios would be, the real Christmas tragedy would be to miss the glory of Christmas. 
And maybe even as I use that concept, the glory of Christmas, maybe that's an entirely new concept to you. You're like, what's glory? What's Christmas? What is this all about? Or maybe it's something you're very familiar with but need the reminder today uh, about what is the glory of Christmas. And that's really why we have a Christmas service after all, to force us to stop in the midst of everything and to remind our distracted disappointed, stressed out, or maybe even sad hearts of the real glory of Christmas. And that's why I love John, because John, in these verses here, he's just going to put it uh, before us. There, there are only a few verses. They're, they're, they're dense like a, like a, like a Christmas uh, pudding, but, but, but they're compacted with the glory of what this is all about. So have you found it in your Bibles? John 1, 14 to 18. Let me just read it for us, and we'll make some comments after that. Here's God's word. It says this, And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now this is God's word for God's people. And what's at the bottom of these verses? Well, it is the glory of Christmas. And I think we could sum it up in one word, Jesus. He himself is the glory of Christmas. Or if we were to elaborate on it a little more, here's the bottom line or the main point. The glory of Christmas is this, that Jesus became human to show us grace and truth. You can write that down if you want. It's just here on the screen. You can write it in your Bible if you want. But this is what it is all about. God became, Jesus became a human to show us grace and truth. It is God who came near. His presence with us where he is no longer far off, no longer separated from us, hidden behind a veil and accessible only on one day of a year behind, or, uh, to a high priest. But now God himself, God the Son, has come near to show us grace and truth. For that's what was repeated throughout the verses as you read it. Hopefully you caught on to what was repeated there, this idea of grace, grace and truth. And that's what's packed in. See, here's, here's the first point that we can take away is that Jesus uh, came because of grace and truth. Packed into verses 14 and 15 is this glorious reality that he came. He became flesh. God in heaven became flesh and dwelt, lived among humanity. And woven into this, packed into this, are these references to Exodus and Leviticus and the, the design and the, uh, of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, how God graciously gave them a way to come near to him. For God said, I will come and dwell in this tent. And if you follow these rituals, if you do these things and sacrifice these animals, you can come near to me. But see, church, the glory of Christmas is that God has now come near to us. 
Jesus was the fulfillment of all the tabernacle rituals, of all the things wrapped up in, the, in how it was constructed, and the various rooms, and in the priests, and the various things that they wore. It is Christ who was the fulfillment. It was what all that was pointing towards, and that now God is presence where only his skin was veiling the glory as the tent fabric once did. And now Jesus came, dwelt among us, amongst humanity. And do we have seen his glory? See Jesus, the word, the creator, who we learned about in the previous passage, once holding all the universe in the palm of his hand, now is held in Mary's hands. As a baby, wrapped in these claws, rocked by his mom. New moms ponder this. Ponder on this in the late hours as you feed your own babies. As sleep escapes you, turn those moments into thoughts of worship. Worship not of your baby, but of the Christ. And church, here's the thing. What would motivate God to do this? What would motivate Jesus? What would move him, the Son of God, to leave heaven's throne for earth's dirt? Grace. And truth, surely nothing that we were doing impressed God enough that he had to come and check out what was going on on earth. In the same way that like uh, college scouts go checking out uh, high school athletes in hopes of getting their commitment to their team. No, the truth is, is that we were, what we were doing was offensive to God and destructive to ourselves. And it was grace that compelled Jesus to come. Pity and compassion for a helpless and harassed people drove Jesus to give us this grace, the undeserved gift of himself where he would come near in one hand grace in the other hand truth. He was moved by or full of characterized by this grace and truth. Incomprehensible grace. An undeniable truth wrapped up in blankets contained in human flesh. Both of these intertwined perfectly together in Christ. One without the other, grace without truth, truth without grace are beautiful and perfected in Christ. But working together produces something much more beautiful. Truth uh, keeps grace from acting foolish for becoming enabling of sin. Grace keeps truth from being just merely information or data on a page, but brings it to life and puts truth into action. All this told ahead of time, witnessed by John the Baptist, as verse 15 says, his whole life, one message, I'm telling you, he is the one. This is God. This is the one full of grace and truth. It was that which moved Jesus to come near. It's that which he came to come near and then to give away in abundance as well. For not only did Jesus come because of grace and truth, Jesus piled on us that grace. Look at how verse 16 says, for from his fullness, out of, as the source of, from the source of God himself, from his limitless fullness, we have received this grace upon grace. A picture in this phrase here is that it was heaped upon us lavished upon us, piled on us like a bunch of kids wrestling their dad in a dog pile, all piled up. And so, redemption, if you need any other reminder of this Christmas and what it is all about, note this, that there is no end to God's grace. 
But it's grace upon grace, literally grace instead of grace. When it appears to be running out, when the cup appears to be running dry towards you, there is still more available. More keeps coming. There's no outrunning his grace, no outsinning his grace, no outthinking his grace. When you think you have hit rock bottom, his grace is beneath to catch you. When you think you have reached the heights of understanding, his grace is still farther yet. And why? Why would Christ come to deliver this kind of gift? So that we could have Christmas-flavored Pop-Tarts and chips to eat our salsa on? So that we would have a reason to spend time with those that we love? So that we could put up all the festive decorations around our house and outside our house? Well, of course not. He showed up to save us. The baby that was born, that became human, would grow to be a man, a man on a rescue mission, the man of the hour, the man to show us God, the man born to die, the gift to us, his gift of grace that was meant to save us, to save you. See, the truth is our sin separates us from God and we needed a substitute savior. We could not uh, do what God uh, commanded them to do in the law. We needed Christ. He was the gift. His presence was the gift, and it is the only gift you need this Christmas. Kids in the house, listen closely. Of all the gifts that you may have already received and will receive over the next few days, there is no gift greater that you need than the gift of Christ. He is your salvation. He is your hope. He is the one who gave his very life so that you could be saved. Adults, we need that too. In the midst of all of this, his gift of grace to save us. But it is his grace not only to save us, but also to change us, to transform us, to move us. See, the truth is our sin separates us from God. It separates us from one another. It, 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 it creates this brokenness, this longing in us. And so packed into the last few verses is this reality that change happens by grace and truth. Jesus was moved by, he came because of grace and truth. He piled it on us and now changes the result of this grace and truth on us. Look at verse 17. Again, another comparison of the Old Testament to the New. He says the law was given through Moses, right? True change, transforming change, salvation, salvific change did not happen through their obedience to the law, nor was Moses as used as he was by God. He was not their Messiah. But this is why Christ came. To show us God, to give to us this grace and truth. He came because the, to give this grace to us, to reveal this truth in our sin-corrupted world. See, the law was graciously given by God, but, but, but they bungled it all up. Totally missed the meaning in the midst of the method and the carrying out of what it was all about. They corrupted the truth as it was revealed. And so God had to send Christ to show her, as the NASB says, to explain God. I love that. If you ever need an explanation of who God is and what he is like, look to Christ. Look to him. See, we're pretty good at bungling things up, aren't we? 
bungling up God's good designs and everything, and bungling up marriage, bungling up, you know, we, we, we make things about the method and totally miss the meaning. Christmas is like prime example, example number one of, of, of getting um, uh, uh, distracted by all the, uh, the uh, wrappings and trappings around it and totally missing the very reason for the season. See, the glory of Christmas, don't miss this again, is Jesus. It's, him, it's Jesus himself. He himself is the glory of Christmas. God now seen his glory where it was there present, where he was now a human, where we look to him and where God is, where his glory is. That's where transformation happens. That's where true change happens in the presence of God, who was full of grace and truth, a grace and truth that he gave to us, that he demonstrated perfectly in himself, where he was the embodiment of it, the source of it. And there is where change happens, genuine change. Change in our destination, change in our eternity, yes, but also change in how we think, how we see how we feel, how we decide, how we celebrate, how we communicate with God, with others, and especially this Christmas. As you pause and try to remember what this is all about, as you uh, have to come to these truths and maybe force yourself forward or just remind yourselves, or maybe you're already there and you're a few steps ahead of me and, and some others. But now is the time. Now is the time as we look to Christ to walk in the change that he offers, to walk in the transformation as we come to the end of the year, making those changes in our life and setting some new goals to live more like Christ. But most importantly, how Jesus changes us, how grace and truth changes us, it changes how we worship Worship and who we glorify, who we adore, who we ascribe supreme worth to. How we give him glory. And that's really what Christmas is all about. The reminder of when God came, when Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And their response there was one of worship. At the very announcement of his birth, they worshiped. At the thoughts of this is God coming near, they lifted their voices in song to the Lord. And that's what we're going to do for the rest of our time together. As we ask God to remind us, as we come seeing God in all of his fullness, of the fullness of grace and truth, as we set before us Christ, the glory of Christmas, what a better thing could we do with the remainder of our time than to sing, ascribing to him the glory due his name of adoring him as Christ our Lord. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, here we are again. These simple truths, the truths that we have likely heard over and over, these truths that we have caught glimpses of time and time again. And yet, Lord, would they not just be dusty old truths, archaic memories of something that happened a long time ago, not a mere birthday celebration of this guy named Jesus, but a profound reality that you, God, Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. That's a reason to worship.
And so, Lord, take us there. Remind us again that we might ascribe to you full of fervor, full of passion, full of adoration. For you are who you say you are. You will do what you said you will do. Just as the incarnation uh, shows us, you told him a long time before it actually happened, and then it happened. So as we even look to you today, Lord, we see that you are so faithful, you are so good. We adore you as our God. We pray these things now in Christ's name.